If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. On today's episode, we meet Christina. Like many of us, she felt like she dated every possible guy available, but just didn't find her Prince Charming. Well, not yet, anyway. As a result, she became a solo mum by choice and now has a beautiful daughter, Eliza, who's seven months old. Welcome, Christina. So welcome, Christina, to the episode tonight. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. So I think our listeners would love to hear, I guess, your story of what you went through and why you decided to pursue the journey of becoming a solo mum by choice. (laughs) Yes. So I, um, I remember probably I would have been like 21 and we were on a family holiday and my niece was probably one. And I remember saying to my sister at the time, my sister is quite a bit older than me, and I remember saying to her at the time, if I don't have a baby, I'm just going to do this on my own. And she was like, yeah, you should. And so it was kind of always an idea in my head. And then, um, I don't know, went, you know, life, grew up, got a job, finished uni, did all those kind of things, um, dated. I moved to Brisbane, so um, got an opportunity to move with work. And I think when I moved to Brisbane, I learned how to date I had no expectations around dating and people. And so I just dated everyone. I feel like I dated a lot of Brisbane, probably all of Brisbane. Anyway, um, and while I was up there, my dad got sick and, oh, dad, my dad had been sick for many years, but got particularly sick and passed away. And I came back to Sydney and decided that I needed to come home and I needed to be around my family. And, um, and I just remember saying to my sister, when I got back to Sydney, I know how to date, but I'm just so sick of doing it. And she was like, well, why don't you stop dating and have a baby? And then, you know, if you want to date again, you can do it when you've had the baby a couple of years down the road and you'll be dating a completely different pool of guys. So maybe just do that. And I was like, yeah, maybe. Anyway, kind of. How old were you at that point? I would have been 35. Okay, yeah. So I was kind of like, oh, maybe. Anyway, met someone, got into a relationship. I'm pretty sure that all of my if I spoke to any of my exes they would say like you're desperate to have a baby from day dot and it was pretty clear like (laughs) I was saying to guys like do you want to have a baby because if you don't have a baby like this is not going to work for me so I dated this guy on and off I also at the the same time was doing my fertility testing and finding out where what my levels were like and you know having all those conversations 
And I went on the list for a sperm donor with one IVF clinic and in the time that I was waiting, met someone. We were pretty serious about each other. Um, I got a phone call saying you're at the top of the list and I completely freaked out. I was like, this is, nope, too much, just park it. Not sure, like I'm just not ready for this. So I parked it, we broke up, I picked it up again. I actually ended up going to a different clinic. I said to, um, I had count, I had the counselling with the first clinic and it just didn't sit right with me from a clinic perspective. The counselling, I, I kind of walked into counselling going, I've got all these questions. I want to work through all this stuff. I want to understand, you know, how I'm going to answer these questions. I want to think this thing through. I want to talk it out. And the response I got was, it's implications counselling and it's for us to ask you questions. It's not for you to work it out. And if you want to work some stuff out, you can have another session. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's just didn't feel right. Um, so I parked it all anyway, went to a different clinic, met a doctor who I, I just meshed with and loved and she's, she's awesome. I really, I really liked her. And she, I mean, she would say stuff like, you know, I hear kids are good. I don't want to have one. I'm happy to help you have one, but I don't want to have one. So, you know, we were just like, we, I just laughed every time I saw her. So, um, did you have to go through the counseling and all the rest of the process with the new clinic? I, I did, but because I'd already had one session, when I got to counseling with the new clinic, they were like, well, you've already done this now, so what questions do you have? Like, what do you want to work through? So it just became a much oh, better counselling yeah. session for me and I got what I wanted out of it and actually ended up having more counselling than I needed to, but just because I wanted to talk through the things that I was dealing with. And that, that again, took another, like, 10 months on that list. So it gave me plenty of time to really think through it and to, and to be comfortable with that decision. You went to the clinic and you had the counselling and then you went on to the waitlist. So I didn't have to deal with the waitlist when I did it. So obviously it's different by state. So Yeah, yeah, and, and different by clinic. So um, I was on the waitlist concurrently with the counselling. Right. So it was all happening at the same time. But because I had already had one counselling session, I still had like some of those I kind of thought, like, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure I want to do this, but also I'm still working through some stuff. And so should just go on that, like, keep things moving in both directions, like yeah. keep it, things happening parallel. I, I kept saying to one of my friends as I was going through this process, if for some reason I feel a really strong need to stop, then I know it's not right. But because I'm still moving forward, then it's something that I, I think I should be pursuing because I still want to keep There's no putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because I, I had my second counselling session like when I was seeing this other guy. So I'd, we were dating, we'd broken up, we were dating, we'd broken up and I, I had gone in for counselling and I was like, I'm pretty sure this is not going to happen. Like this guy is, he's just met all my family. Like we've just done all this stuff. Like I'm pretty sure this is on. I was like, I can't believe it. Anyway, how, you know, the universe. Um, and like the week later we broke <laughs> <laughs> We have so much hope, though. It's so like you know, you just go into it. You're like, yeah, this is. Oh my god! Like, who knew? I like, I, I just, you know. Anyway, you have those moments where you think, see, if I hadn't have gone on this list, like, I wouldn't have met this guy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we broke up, um, and I started to get really clear about. By this point, I was 36. So I was like, okay, this is. We're getting, you know, I'm getting to the point. I'm going to be 38 before I know it. I'm going to be 50 before I know it. <laughs> like time is not going to stop moving. So let's keep, let's keep going. And I, I had for a long time thought, you know, maybe I've got seven nephews and a niece. I had for a long time thought I could, 
I could be content being a really active auntie for them. And I, the older I got, the more I knew that I was just fooling myself that that was going to be a solution. I just went, no, it's not. It's not the same. I mean, I've got one sister who's off, often offers one of her children to me. And she's like, yeah, take him. He's a nightmare. You can have him. Um, I only want the good ones, thanks. Yeah, no, I was like, no, no, he's a good example. Of, no, no, I'm good. Um, but no, I just, I just knew I, I wanted to be a mum, and um, and I'm so glad that I, I did. I, I can't. Yeah, I, I, I have never been as satisfied or as happy in my life as I am now, even without the sleep. Um, and I, I'm just so lucky that it's all kind of worked out. But um, you're spoiling yeah, just, the story already. Jumping to the end. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I mean, I just, um, I can't. It worked for me, and I can't speak highly enough of how how happy I have, I now am. But I know it's so difficult for lots of people. And um, yeah, so I got to the top of the list. And I, the funniest thing is, again, I was dating someone. So dating this guy I got to the top of the list I got the phone call saying you know you're at the top of the list you can have access to the list next week and we had just come out of one of our lockdowns in Sydney and so this guy and I organized to meet up we had one really good date and we went on the second date and on the second date halfway through you know when you get to that point in the night where you're like there can be no more drinks yeah like this is the point that I need to go home I went to the bathroom and I came back and he's bought another bottle of wine and we're sitting at Circular Quay, so, you know, in Sydney, looking at the Opera House, looking at the whole thing, and he starts bawling his eyes out about a, his previous relationship and how it hadn't worked and all these feelings were coming up for him and I was just sitting there listening to it and while I'm sitting there I was literally deleting myself off all of the dating apps. I was unsubscribing to everything. I said to this guy, I'm sorry, I need to go. Like I had this pure moment of clarity that this is not where I should be. This is not what I should be doing. I am con- I am trying to make a square peg fit into a round hole yeah. with all of these guys that I've dated. They've not been right. And if I was listening to a friend of mine recounting the dating stories that I had, I'd be telling my friend to break up with them and, you know, you you can do so much better and this is just not the right thing for you. And I literally, I remember coming home, we live at, you know, I live down the bottom of quite a steep driveway and I pretty much skipped down the driveway that I was like (laughs) just euphoric that I had made this decision. I'd had this phone call. I like sent an email back to the clinic and I was like, give me the details. I'm ready to access the list now. Like I'm ready to go. And that was it. So that was like July and I had my IUI in October. Did you, so so it was, you just, it was obviously like you say a 10 week, 10 month was it waiting list? Yeah. So I was on the, I got on the list. I was probably actually sooner. I got on the list in November. Mm-hmm. I had counseling in January. So it was just after my birthday and then got to the top of the list in July. So yeah, nine, nine 10 months. So but still quite um, a while. Do you think that that was reflective of yeah. COVID or is that kind of standard for Sydney? No, I think it might be standard for Sydney. And I had this very romantic idea that I was going to have a donor selection party. So I was like, I'm going to print off all the donors that are available. I'm going to invite my nearest and dearest around. We're going to look at it. Um, and that was not the situation at all. Okay. So um, the donor pool was pretty, pretty limited. 
So when so I was looked it just at, Australian donors or was overseas just Australian donors. So the first clinic I went to had overseas donors only, right. and I also had a bit of an issue—not an issue, but I just thought if my daughter wants to meet the donor at some point, I think it will be easier to meet a donor that's local versus a, a donor from the US. Mm-hmm. So that was my first kind of decision point. The other point with the other clinic was you had to buy minimum 10 vials of sperm. And so I was doing an IUI and I was like, well, if I do an IUI and I only use one, what happens with the rest of it? Like what happens with the leftover sperm? That sounds terrible. Um, So, yeah, so they were the two kind of, and there was a cost obviously with US sperm, 10 vials, it would have been, I think it would have been around 15,000 US to get the sperm here. 15,000. So, yes, it was an wow. expensive process. So, um, and I, my GP, who's also awesome, said to me, oh, you don't, you don't really care, right? You just at the end of the day want a baby. So it doesn't really matter if you've got 10 vials or one vial, like as long as you get a baby out of it. She said, like, does it matter? I was like, no, but really the thing that, that was a bigger decision point was, as I said, if my child does want to find the donor at some point, will it be easier to find that donor in Australia or will it be easier to find them if they're overseas? So I went with the other clinic for a couple of reasons and that was one of them was that I had a better mesh with the doctor, I had a better mesh with counselling and the selection of the donors was was better. So um, that being said, I've been told that the list of, like the donor lists, because of the way, um, because of the regulation around it and having to be open to being found Mm -hmm. has meant that the donor pool is significantly shortened and I, or sorry, decreased. And then when I got the donors, it was really funny to see like, no, I don't want to donate to a single woman or, you know, I preferably, yeah. So the donors were able to give their um, preferences of what they wanted. So like. I feel like maybe that was filtered out before I got my list, maybe by my clinic. Yeah. I don't know. So one, like I, um, no, I had the list. I had access to everyone that was, you know, an IUI donor and every IUI donor had their kind of what they'd prefer. So, you know, single woman happy to donate to, um, or not. And I, I was really, I found that really confronting when I got to that. I was like, really? What do you mean you don't want to donate to a single woman or it's a same sex couple? Like, come on now. So, yeah. um, yeah, I found that really interesting and, and also a little, little confronting. So, um, I got to the point, so I was on the list and I got to the point that I, it was like around two o'clock every afternoon, they would be uploading new donors. And I would be sitting in meetings. I probably shouldn't say this if anyone from work is going to listen, but I'd be sitting in meetings just like <laughs> refreshing the little list and a donor would come up and you're like, ah, oh, go. So I was doing stuff like that every day. So I literally was sitting in a meeting and a donor came up and I selected them and off we went. And my afternoon was a little bit of a write-off a few times. So, but you um, didn't get your beautiful donor selection party, which is a... A shame. No, and but every clinic does it, things differently, so it was all yeah, like wait till the right yeah. one comes along. Okay. Yeah, it's um, I I think I mean I had picked a donor and um then found out that he had a genetic issue and I was like totally in love with this donor and he'd written this beautiful letter and I was like this guy's perfect this is the perfect guy and um I remember one of my friends saying to me oh my gosh if you like met him in real life you should date him he sounds like ideal and then I. I found out that there was a genetic issue and had to have genetic testing and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, 
I I wasn't a carrier, so I could have used that donor. But another friend of mine said to me, you're not going to think if you if you have give birth to a child with a genetic issue, you're not going to think, God, I love the letter that he wrote. You're going to think, why didn't I pick the donor that had no issues? <laughs> so I was like, that's also a very good point. So, um, yeah, picked a donor that had no genetic issues that were reported at the time. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, I, I found the process of selecting a donor also quite confronting is not the right word, but it really pulled on your prejudices as well and I was like your bias come out and your and your unconscious bias coming out and I also wanted to select a donor that was similar looking to me so that we were you know I, I didn't have a child that was totally different looking to the, her family or his family and had another thing to deal with you know a, a different another complication of why don't I look like my family and um yeah, I mean, I, I, my cousin has adopted a little girl uh, from the Philippines, so she she looks obviously quite different to uh, to us. And she's it's so funny how she rationalises it now. Like she she was adopted when she was four, and yeah. she's seven now. And now she tells us that she has much nicer skin than everybody else. She looks <laughs> much nicer. I, I look much nicer than all of you. She oh, says I love to it. us. I love it. So you know, it's funny, and I, I I remember kind of that was all happening in parallel to this too. So. You know, you've got different different people going down different parenting paths around you and looking at different things. And it was really lucky for me to have that because it kind of helped me put my myself into different positions and think, well, what would I do if or could this be an option? Or could I foster or could I could I look at an alternative method, you know, not method, an alternative path to parenthood. Yeah. Um and yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I um, yeah that that was the so getting to the donor and getting to the to the point, um, getting to the to the IUI stage. So um, I had said to myself as well, I you know I've never tried to fall pregnant. So this was the first time I tried to fall pregnant. I will do um, three IUIs was kind of my plan. I'll do three mm-hmm. IUIs and if I don't fall pregnant after three IUIs, and I'll go to an IVF cycle. Mm-hmm. So that was so all your the plan. I've showed that there wasn't any real reason why it shouldn't work from an IUI. Other than my age. So, you know, other than being 37 at the time that I fell pregnant, um, everything else was fine. So, you know, there's no, I've, I've got a no, no history of anything in my family. I'm one of four. It was all kind of signs. Sort of that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Every, everything seemed okay. Um, Although I, I do remember saying to my sister, I was like, you know, there's only like there's less than a 12% chance that I'm going to get pregnant. She was like, are you kidding? Don't you go through IVF to guarantee? And I was like, no, no, that's just like how this works. I was like, you have no guarantees with any of this that you're going to get anything or get anywhere. I was like, this is, these are the chances. It's, my niece is, is now uh, 20. She'll be 21 in June. So she's been, you know, quite, quite interested in this process and I remember saying to her we've been taught our entire lives not to get pregnant and that story still applies don't get pregnant <laughs> but, but it's not um, as easy as you think it's, it's not as easy to get pregnant as we think it's going to be so you know unless you're 18 probably it's easier than what we think but um you know it's hard like don't don't leave this for forever and um yeah, I mean, you ju- we just we just get this like, don't get pregnant, just don't get pregnant, 
And then you think, oh my gosh, I should have been trying to get pregnant all those years. <laughs> so, um, and I did also, before I got to the decision to do an IUI, I did also think about, should I freeze my eggs? Mm-hmm. And that was another, like, maybe I should just freeze my eggs and give myself some time. So that seems to be quite, quite a thing to do at the moment as well. And my doctor said to me, nah, don't freeze eggs. If you're going to freeze anything, freeze embryos. From what everyone I've been talking to, I think it's if you post 35, they're all like, yeah. nah, don't bother. Don't freeze yeah, eggs. She, just do embryos yeah. or try and get pregnant now. Yep. Don't wait. Yeah. Yeah, that's what she said. My IVF doctor was like, just get pregnant now. Just like, can we do this already? Okay, sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, as I said, it was the the strangest day, that day of the process. I was so bizarre. And, I yeah, I remember I drove myself there. I went in. How Bizarre was playing that song. How Bizarre, yeah. How Bizarre, how, as I was walking into the, into the room. <laughs> and I had the IUI and I remember saying to the nurse, okay, so should I sit here now? Like, what should I do? She's like, put my legs up the wall, maybe. Yeah, I was like, should I put my legs up the wall? Like, should I, should what? She's like, no, no, it's perfect. You can go. I was like, are you, are you sure? She's like, yep, see you later. I was just like, oh my gosh. I came home. My boss knew what I was, that I was doing it. So my boss, like, I, you know, knew I'd taken the morning off work for that. He's like, take the day. And I was like, I'll just see how I feel. I probably want to work in the afternoon just to distract myself. I had the most ridiculous phone call with someone from work in the afternoon. Like it was just the most, I just remember th- sitting on that call thinking, I've just done the, like the biggest thing of my life and I'm having a conversation with you about something so completely <laughs> insignificant. <laughs> but okay then. Um, and, yeah, my, I, my boss wrote me in the afternoon. He was like, so? And I was like, took five minutes. And he was like, well, so it's like the real thing. I was like, yes, it is exactly like the real thing just without the disappointment. He was like, fair, that's a fair comment. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, yeah, it's very funny. I mean, I, I've been super open about it. I've been happy to talk to whoever, whoever about it. Partly for me it's that openness is about um, helping me work out how to articulate it and mm-hmm. how to, the more I can tell that story, the easier that story becomes to tell, the more, refined I can make it and the clearer I can get on it so that by the time Eliza my daughter is paying attention to the story it's not me going oh well uh, I'm sure that when she asks I'll still have a uh, well but I think the more I practice it and the more I'm I'm more comfortable I am with it and the better it will be for her um yeah so yeah, I did the IUI. To, I didn't do a pregnancy test. I resisted that. Oh, are you one urge. of these amazing people that got pregnant first time IUI? I am. <gasps> I was very lucky. Oh. and I, It does happen, people. Know, it does happen. It does. It does. I was, um, I was so lucky and, I, and because I know so many people that it didn't happen for, I think I spent probably six months of my pregnancy going, are you sure? <laughs> like, are you sure that this has happened? And I remember... Like I had a few wobbles where I was like, I can't feel anything and I'd go in and see my obstetrician because I was freaking out. And he said to me, like, calm down, like, you're fine. I was like, thanks for being so blasé. I don't feel so blasé, but sure. Um, yeah, I, and I, I it, it's weird that actually because I, I feel a little bit of guilt about that, that it happened so easily. And um, I know so many people that have been doing IVF for years and haven't been able to to get pregnant at all so 
I feel incredibly lucky, but I also feel a little bit guilty that it was so easy. Um, but then I also try and rationalise it with I did date a lot of you disasters. There was a lot of dating, dating disasters. Uh, it was, yeah, a lot of dating disasters. I've got some shocking, shocking stories. But Carla so, maybe owed you then to make it easy for That's you. what I'm a little bit like, you know what, maybe this is just my, my payback, that this is how this all comes around. Um, and, yeah, I... I, it's you know there's still um it's funny there's still questions like you say to people what is just me and you know people always go oh so you know Eliza's dad and I was like mm, Eliza doesn't have a dad there's you know I've done this on my own they're like okay and you know that you can see some people want to ask and some people don't and you can just so yeah, yeah. are you saying that because you don't know who the dad is or because he lives yeah <laughs> people don't automatically like, think what it's a donor and it's an intentional thing yeah yeah, no, they all, they all, um, yeah. I remember I had There's one. There's a pity test. look, isn't there, when people know that yeah, they're, they don't have a partner, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's like, well, no. Yeah. No, no, it's great. I, um, I've, now that we've come out of our second or our, out of our lockdown here, so we had, you know, lockdown pretty much my last day at work was the last day that all of my colleagues were in the office and then they've just gone back to work now and I'm going back to work in a month's time. It's pretty funny. Um, but, we, because of all of of that, lots of mothers group stuff didn't happen, and so I've just kind of linked into mothers groups in the last couple of months, and I listen to these girls talking about their experiences with their husbands and partners, and um, just the added level of stress that a new baby puts on that relationship, and you know them feeling like I'm just not paying any attention to him or I'm not making any effort or or I'm getting frustrated that he hasn't done A, B and C and that this hasn't happened and I just don't have any of that. I don't have any, I don't have any angst about another relationship in my life because I don't have one and I, I'm so happy that I don't. Like I, I don't, you know, if I want to sit and stare at Eliza all day, I can and I have done that quite a few days. Um, and if I, you know, we don't get out of pajamas or I don't get out of my pajamas until six o'clock that night, that's fine. Like mm-hmm. there's just no, there's no angst around any of that. And I, I'm so happy I don't have to share her. That sounds terrible, but I don't have to have any of those conversations with anyone else about what I'm doing or why we're making decisions. And I'm sure there'll come a time when I miss that. But I'm so bossy and opinionated right now that I actually don't think I'd ever really miss that. And I, maybe because I'm trying to imagine it with the lens of the people that I've dated and them not being the right person that you think, oh, gosh, like if I was having to have a conversation with that person about breastfeeding, for example, I would be ready to kill you if you had an opinion now or you had a different view. So I, I um, yeah, I've been super happy that I don't have any of that and that the only relationship I need to worry about is the one with her and that just is the the best feeling ever. I'm sure, as I said, at some point there will be decision fatigue, but for now, loving life, loving that. So, yeah. I think it's, I think it's very common. It's ideally probably not how we would have children and not how we imagined it would be, but there's definitely a hell of a lot of silver linings, especially in those early days. All you just have to worry about is the two of you and not having to um, deal with an adult-sized toddler, basically, So, which no, is what well, a lot of yeah. us end up being. So it's quite blissful, <laughs> really. 
Yeah, it is. completely get it. And it's also those, um, I also was, when I was trying to decide what I was doing and whether I was going to do this, I remember saying to my my mum, I, I know I'll be a better parent single than in a relationship with someone that's not right and I don't want to set that example for my child mm-hmm. that, you know, this is a relationship that you stay in or that I've stayed in for this child and I've, I've got some really strong examples around me of people that have done that and have stayed in relationships for their kids and, you know, their kids are 30 and they hate each other and they then get divorced and it causes this massive rift in the family and you just think, why would you have done that? And their kids are now going on to have pretty dysfunctional relationships because that's been the example of what they've seen. And I I think um, my parents would had such a loving, happy marriage that when I compared it to what I was doing and the guys I was dating and it just wasn't that, I just thought, oh, it's just not worth it. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it, 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 was the, it was the best decision I ever made and I now look back and think, and all the angst that went into making this decision because there was a lot of angst that went into it, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I spent the time to make that decision, to, to think it through and to think of all the different angles and to think about all the different possibilities. Um, but, yeah, best decision. So, and, and, yeah, I've got, you know, Eliza's very lucky. We've got, I live with my mum, so I've got my yeah. mum supporting us, which is, is awesome. Yeah. Um, and I've got, you know, my sister lives around the corner and I've got another sister and a brother and so I've got, lots of people that are, are here for her and, and for me. Um, and if I didn't have that, it would be hard. Although I had someone, I did say to someone, just hire all the help that you can, you can get. <laughs> yeah. Just hire it. Like if you can afford it, hire it. Get someone to come and stay with you for a month after you come, come home with the baby or, um, yeah, you know, get a house cleaner or do the, get those things that give you some sanity and, Mine's the um, RoboVac, yeah. Yeah, I keep hearing about this RoboVac, but I think my RoboVac. dog would sit on it or kill it. So, I <laughs> yeah, my dog hates it, yeah. but it is life-changing. Yeah. You don't have to think about it. Yeah, I just stuff like, like take those, find those life hacks. Mm-hmm. They're there for a reason. Someone bought me for my baby shower a gift voucher for the dinner ladies. Oh, nice. And so that's like a, yeah, I, I was like, that's the best present ever. That's such a good idea. And she's has two little ones herself. So obviously she's like, this will, this will make a difference to you. And you're going to give did. that to everybody in future. I that will. Baby, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's getting a dinner lady voucher. It's the best thing ever. Um, but just stuff like that, like just, you know, know that you've got stuff in the freezer or, you know, know that you've got batches of food that can sit there and wait so that you've got something to eat and you're not just eating peanut butter toast for nine months. Which months. I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I guess going back so, to so was your pregnancy pretty stress-free and pretty easy in the birth? And how's yeah, that? I, had, um, I had a pretty okay pregnancy once I got through the um, MP, NIPT, the NIP test. Yeah. So I had two inconclusive results and then had to go and have a CVS test. Um, so that was really stressful and that, the timing of all of that was like the 30th of December. So we had public holidays thrown in the mix and all of that kind of stuff. My obstetrician, I had a private obstetrician who was awesome 
And so he, you know, he, he was available. He was calling me during the Christmas break to organise oh, tests and organise things for me. Um, and he, I, I had a few moments where I thought I haven't felt movement and he was in the city and I was at work in the city. So it was very easy for me to go in and have a scan and get checked. Um, and I, that peace of mind for me I think is another probably tip I would say to anyone considering solo, solo mum hood is to have the have that sort of accessibility I think if you had you know someone to kind of say hey it's not that bad or like it's okay or I can you know you said that you could feel this or whatever but just to be able to go to the doctor and say I'm stressing out about this and and I could have that so once I got through that and everything was fine um, from that perspective then it was all relatively smooth sailing Um, I remember because we were all like this COVID thing's going to go, we're all fine. Like COVID's, you know, left us. Mm-hmm. So I had all my birth plan. <laughs> I was like, we don't need to talk about this. Like birth plan, no worries. Like it's fine. I can have my mum and my sister, no problems. And then it all started to go a little bit wrong probably two weeks before I finished work where I was like, I'm going to work from home this week, I think. And actually I'm going to work from home next week too. Yep, I'm just, I'm just not going to go into the office again. So I, I went in on my my last day of work to basically clean up my desk and to, say goodbye to the three people that were in the office. My boss came in to see me because he's it's like, I'll come in and then you need to leave. I was like, that's totally fine. So, um, yeah, we went into lockdown. I was expecting to do all this stuff before I had the baby. That didn't happen. I, I read, I think, seven books yeah. in the two weeks before I had her. That was, I just Nothing else to do. home and read. That's all I could do. Um, I had lots of naps. Unfortunately, you can't bank that sleep, which is really mm. disappointing. Yep. Um, so I did all of that and then I um, I went in, I was 40 weeks and three days and I said to my obstetrician, I'm done. He was like, no, you're not done. You don't get to make that decision. The baby makes that decision and we're, you know, 40 weeks, you're fine. He's like, you're healthy. There's no issue. I was like, I don't want to be 41 weeks and five days. Like I don't want to go that far. And he was like, mm, maybe if we're 41 weeks next week and you still haven't had the baby I'll induce you. And I was like, great, let's do an ultrasound. And that that ultrasound, he was like, no, so I need to induce you now. I was like, sorry, what oh. just happened? Yeah, so my the um, placenta had kind of stopped doing what it should have done. And yeah. so he's like, okay, so tonight, we're going in tonight. And then I freaked out. I was like, what do you mean we're going in tonight? He's like, well, what did you think had happened? You just told me you wanted to have a baby and now I'm telling you you're having well, the baby. And you're like, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I just, oh, right, okay. Um, so, and we had a bit of a, I had a booked a hospital that we were not sure if I could go to because it just had, it was next door to a COVID outbreak and he couldn't go. And anyway, we had a big kerfuffle, but I ended up being able to go to that hospital. It was fine. Um, yeah, so very lucky. I mean, I was in lockdown in the hospital, basically, Mm. you know, you're in your room and they were like, okay, so I was like, can I go for a walk? Can we go outside? Can I go out? And they're like, Nope, can't do that. So I wanted to leave pretty, I mean, I stayed in for a couple of days and I was like, okay, I'm going to go home now. So they induced you that you were there for a couple of days? Yeah, so I, it was private hospital, so I could have stayed in longer if I wanted to. Um, I The like special care nursery was open, so I could have left her in the nursery overnight. I didn't really want to do that. I just wanted to have her next to me. Um, and I just thought oh, breastfeeding was a bit, bit hit and miss. It was pretty awful actually so that was yuck um but I had 
psyched myself up for the birth to be awful. So I think my expect, and I also psyched myself up for if I was going to be induced, it wasn't going to work and I was going to need a cesarean. Right. And so when it started to work and I was having contractions, I said to the nurse, um, I've got stomach cramps. She was like, it's called labour pains. I was like, sorry, (laughs) what? Are you sure? She was like, yes, what did you think had happened? Like, you know this baby's coming out. And I was like, yeah, right, is it? And she was like, yes, come on now. So I had had planned to have my sister and my mum with me. I could only have one person, so it was my sister. Um, I said to her, I just need you to be calm. I need you to be like a calm, stable voice of reason. I was worried that mum would be panicked about me being in pain and that would yeah. that would freak me out. So I was like, no, I can't do that. Um, so, yeah, Leah, was my sister, was with me. I We went in that night. I, I got to sleep. Actually, I got a, you know, an induction happened. I went to sleep. I had an epidural. I had a great sleep. I would highly recommend that to anyone get the epidural and get a good solid sleep in that was the best sleep ever um so that was all fine and I I started pushing at about four o'clock the next afternoon so I was induced about 10 o'clock at night started pushing at four and I had her at 10 to 5 in the afternoon it was I again I was in a constant state of disbelief that I was pushing and I was having a baby and I remember the obstetrician saying to me look here here is a baby I was like it's oh you. My God. You are now responsible for it. Yeah, he was like, "Okay, here she is." I was like, "Are you sure?" He was like, "Oh, I'm sure." He was rolling his eyes. At he me said, "Please don't have another one because I don't want to deal with you." <laughs> he actually said to me as he was stitching, as I was getting stitches, "So we're going to do this again?" And I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> I do remember saying to my sister pretty early after I had her, "That actually was fine. I could do that again." She was it's like, "Called Let's. epidural." That's what they Yeah, are. she was like, let's let's get through the next couple of months, hey, before you're before you have those, I could do this again. And I actually could do it again. I was I yeah, I, I've been like totally I could do this again. I'm actually I'm actually going to see the fertility doctor next week just to have a chat about if I were to do this again, but I think I should go back to work, which is happening in April. So in a month's time, I'll go back to work and work that all out before I so Eliza's now seven months, is it? She is seven months old. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's seven months old. She's eating like a champion. She's feeding. She's eating. She's into all of her foods. She talks to her food, which is very cute. Um, Having spent the last wee while with you, I can understand where that comes from. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wonder where that comes from. Hey? Um, she She's just a delight. She's a total, total camp she's sleep is a bit average but that's okay um yeah it's it that's the, that's the other hesitation I've got such a great baby that if I do this again and I have a total disaster baby and every baby's different but if the next baby is not like her I'm gonna be in real trouble <laughs> um so yeah it's just all all fallen into place I've um as I said before I've never I've never been as satisfied and as happy with my life as what I am right now. And I'm sure there'll be days where she tests me beyond all limits, but that would happen if I was in a relationship or on my own. And um, the silver lining of not needing to worry about two different styles of parenting or two different approaches to things, I think is actually quite a good one. Um, 
But again, you know, if you meet the right person and you're both on the same page, then that all, that's awesome. That's the greatest thing ever. And I, um, I would love to meet this donor to, to say thank you and to really dig in to understand what made him want to do this. But it's not my choice. It will be Eliza's choice when she decides, if she decides. Um, she might not ever want to meet him and, and that's totally fine as well. That will be her choice to make when the time is right for her. Um, I, I did get asked by the clinic about siblings and if I wanted to, to go on the sibling register here um, and I'm not, I again, not something I, I want to do right now and not something I think that will be a decision that will come from me. It will be a decision that I make potentially because I think Eliza needs it at that, at that point in time when she's a little bit older. And I, I imagine if we do do it, it would be probably when she's 9 or 10 around that age where some of those questions start to come up about who are my siblings and where, you know, what does that all look like? I do know that there have been two other babies born using the same donor sperm. Okay. So I know that much. So I can find that out every year with the clinic. Um, they will, I can, you know, contact them every year and say how many children and what families. So I know that there's um, two other families plus me so far, uh, plus us. So we'll find out, I'll find out probably in the next little while if there's another family. Um but that's a decision for Eliza and, and as I said, if, if I think that she needs it and I think it will be of benefit to her, then we would connect with the donors. But until then, I'm not, it's not my call, it's hers, um, it's hers to make. And that's, you know, hard for me. I want to know everything, but it's not my, it's, it's Eliza's decision. So that'll be, that'll be another challenge when that comes, but um I'm not the first person to deal with it and I certainly won't be the last person to deal with it and there'll be a way through it, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, I think that'll, that's the big, you know, I'm so clear about where I've come from and I know, you know, I know where my family comes from and I can see all of that and I don't want her to miss out on that but also do I really need that? I don't know. Does that, mm. has that made a huge difference to my life? Maybe. But we'll see. It's just the added complexity that normal couples yeah. don't have to deal with, but it's just an extra thing we have to think about and yeah. no one has the answer for it and you just have to do whatever feels right, I think, for the family. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. And if you're anything like me, it kind of, you get really strong on one opinion and then not and then it's just a, until they're yeah. old enough to be able to articulate what's going on for them, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's. You think about what you may do, but it's, yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah. I, I know someone that, has done this and her daughter is 13 now um so you know one of the pioneers I guess of of donor children and um they've connected with children all around the world so you know there's a stepbrother here and there's a stepsister there and um sorry half sister half brother and um it's interesting like they go on family holidays and that's been really important for my friend's daughter to have that connection um so again that'll be a thing to if we need to, then we will. But until we need to, I'll deal with that when we get to that point, really. Yeah. That's the, there's a lot of things that you just think, I'll just park until I need to. And then I may never need to, but, you know, I've also done a lot of thinking about what I might do if <laughs> I do never need to. I think our brains work quite similar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you get to this point without, like I 
there's a lot that goes into getting to this point. It's not as it's not as easy as I think we maybe all thought going into it that it would be. Mm. You know, like it'll be fine. How hard can it be? And then you're like, wow, it really is very involved. There's a lot. No, yeah. And I remember like one of the questions of what would you do if there was an issue with the pregnancy? Like what what would you? I was like, well, I can't answer that question until I know what the issue with the pregnancy is and then we'll deal with it. And hopefully I don't have to deal with it. And Yes. I was like, hopefully I don't have to, but okay then. Um, But there were things, you know, that I hadn't really thought about that. I hadn't really thought what I would do if. And so that was helpful to go through counselling to have that, what I would do if. And I I remember saying to mum when I did that, you don't get any of that when you're in a couple or doing this with somebody else that someone prompts you to think about what you would do if this happened. You just find yourself in that situation and then you have to deal with it. So I guess anyone else that's thinking about this journey, what advice would you give them? Think it through. Like really use the pro and con list about things. I've got, I found lists the other day and made me laugh. I thought I might keep these. These might come in handy one day of a memento of my decision-making process. But, um, you know, people often say to me, you're so lucky you've got lots of family around you. And, yes, I am, and that's that's awesome. But you can do this without that and um if it's what you want to do then it's it's worth it and it's um it's tough and it's challenging and it's you know there are days when you think I'd really just like another five hours of sleep please um but it's awesome and um as I said the the level of happiness and fulfillment as something I've never, never thought I would ever kind of get to in my life. And you can pretty much hire someone to do most things for you. So if you need help, you know, it might not be everything that you, you can get done, but if you can, if you need someone to come and sit with your baby for an hour so you can have a shower, you can find someone to do that. And if you need, um, you know, someone to bring you dinner, the other thing I would say is those people that make offers of help, um. just say yes. <laughs> like just say yes to those people. Um, it's, a, you know, j- yes, thank you. Could you please go to yeah. the supermarket and grab me some milk? I mean, as I live with mum and I'm very lucky that I, I do, um, but at times I feel like I'm, I'm looking after mum and, and Eliza and so, yeah. you know, Online shopping works and all of those things that we had to do during a pandemic are actually great things to keep doing. Um, and so, yeah, take take all of the help that people offer you, but I think probably it's helpful to have a list of things that you need to get done so that when someone says, what do you need, yeah. you're not sitting there going, I'm fine, like I don't need anything. It's like, no, what I do need is groceries, a coffee, for you to come and walk the baby so I can go and get a coffee or to walk with me. That was the thing that I found I wanted to do the most was get out, out of the house and go for a walk and I was doing that pretty early on. Yeah. Um, and that was my sanity thing. Like I didn't realise how much I needed to do that for me. So find the thing that gives you that if it's going for a walk, if it's having five minutes more in the shower and find people that can help you do that. So if it is someone to watch the baby so you can have a 10-minute shower, then 
can take those offers, yeah. Um, but I just, you know, think about the options, work through it. Um, you know, I had moments before I got pregnant thinking I love going to the theatre and I love going to see live music and I love doing all these things. And so would I, how would I feel not being able to do this stuff? Yeah. How would I feel not going to the restaurant that I want to go to or how would I feel um, if if that changes? And, I mean, I went out to the theatre last week and I spent the entire time talking about my child. So <laughs> <laughs> You just wait till you I, go I back need... to work. That's all anybody's going to hear about. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> um, you try yeah, so hard not to, but they're that important. I know. It's just they're there. It's all you want to talk about, right? So, and I mean, like I look at her and think, oh, my God, I made this. Like, wow. Um, but, yeah, I mean, take take those offers but also use the resources around you. You know, go through the counselling even if you think you don't want to. And if you're not sure, counselling can help you work that out, I think. Um, and also I, I would say find the doctor or find the clinic that feels right for you. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad that I made that change because I, I probably would have ended up doing a pro, you know, probably going through a full IVF process without needing to um, as well because that was how this, the first doctor I saw, she was like, well, you know, your age, we should just do IVF kind of thing. It should just be an assisted process. Yeah. Um, and my GP said to me, we've never tried to fall pregnant, so how do you know it's not going to work? Mm. And so that was, some really good advocates in your corner and some good people you could trust that you didn't yeah. just take things on face value if it didn't feel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen to your gut though. Like, yeah, it's probably the life lesson on anything, but listen to your gut on all of it because, yeah, I mean, I, I saw a GP at the same clinic that I see my GP at now, but she was a different GP and she was like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. Like didn't want to talk, didn't want to understand I'm a big talker, so of course I want to talk things through. Yeah. <laughs> whereas my, who knew? Um, whereas my GP that I now have is fully, you know, let's talk about these options. This is what it could mean. What do you think about this? And that was really helpful yeah. for me. Um, as was talking to the people in my life that were important to me. I, my brother was a bit uh, skeptical about this whole thing, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think he was skeptical in the way that he didn't. He just didn't want to know, like. I don't want to know about donors and I don't want to know about this and I don't want to know about any of that. Like, and now that Eliza is here, it's totally like totally fine. But that process was probably a bit much for him to think about his younger sister going through. So that's also, um, that surprised me. So I think it's also to just, you, you will, I've had, no one in my life has not been supportive, but it's also interesting to see some of the reactions that people have. And so, be prepared for that as well because it's it's common but it's not as common yet and I think I mean by the time our, our girls are in school it will there's a million different ver- versions of a family and there's no right or wrong way so um but it's interesting just to see some of the reactions that you get from people and you know you, you get the reactions at the extreme from or or and like good on you through to oh is that so it didn't work out. Like Isn't it sad. No, yeah, it's not. <laughs> so, no, it's really not. And just those, you know, and it's the same. Like I remember being single and people were like, why are you still single? And you're like, because I've got 
three heads and scales under these clothes. Like, what do you want me to say to you? I don't know. Um, and, yeah, this was just, it was meant to be. But, uh, it, yeah, I, I, go for it. Go for it. It's my, <laughs> my short answer of advice. But it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to think about and um, plan for and, you know. Well, thank you. Like I want to do a budget. I just want to say thank you. I think so many people get lots of hope out of the story. I'm sure there's a lot that can resonate with the whole dating all of Brisbane and still not finding anyone. I think it was all but of Brisbane doing half of everything Sydney. possible to find that person. It's just it's just it doesn't happen. But you know, hopefully it might happen later. Or if it doesn't, you've got your little girl. I you know what? I can't, now can't even imagine dating. I can't even imagine having to deal with, I'm so happy that I can sleep in the middle of my bed. <laughs> like I just think, oh, gosh, do I have to let someone into my life now? Like, oh. And it's so strange because I was such a dater that I'm like, no, I'm going to date. Now I'm like, no, no. It might change. But for now, no. So I think it's wonderful that, like so many people be able to resonate with that journey of how you've got to make that decision and then the fact that you got pregnant on one IUI is going to give so many people yeah. hope that it can happen as well. It's not just uh, a female, it can happen. No, it, it can and it can, but uh, it's, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I said to my the, doc, the obstetrician, he's like, are you doing this again when I went in for my six weeks check? And I was like, well, yeah, I'd probably do like another three IUIs. If I didn't fall pregnant, I would not do IVF now. I've gone through it. I don't know if I'd want to do a full IVF process. And he was like, Christina. You're mad. You got pre- if you you know got pregnant number three and miscarried. You do this again. Come on, like <laughs> who are you? Who are you trying to kid? And I was like, well, he was like, whatever. See you next year, kind of thing. I was like, oh god, <laughs> good, thanks, sure. <laughs> you might have to catch up with you next year and see if you're pregnant again. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to, as I said, fertility doctor on Monday. So let's see what conversations we have. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I don't know if I'll need to go through everything again or get tested or 39 now. So who knows? Maybe we'll have a follow-up and we can find out. (laughs) Yes, maybe. I've blocked a lot of it too. So that's the other thing anyway. But But thank you so much. Um, Can't wait to hear your story. Thanks, Alicia. Have a lovely night. I'm Alicia and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.